What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's January 29, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 20. In this episode, I'll be breaking down how much volume you should do in your workouts and what you should start first, diet or exercise. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter, at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So first off, I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so it's a little earlier than usual, but the Blackhawks won a few games this week. Let's go! They beat Detroit twice in a row and lost in overtime twice so far, so they're slowly picking up some points now. That means they're no longer in last place, thank God. Surprisingly, the Blackhawks have the second best power play in the league, which is so surprising since that unit has been pretty bad even in years where they won the cup. So how is COVID-19 impacting the world a year after the first confirmed North American cases? Besides over 400,000 deaths in the US now and 19,000 in Canada, Dave Chappelle tested positive for COVID-19 this past week, so he had to cancel his shows of course. He had that one photo that went viral over the past week or so where he photobombed some wedding photo, so hopefully those in the photo weren't affected by that. On to more sports news since we're talking about how COVID is affecting that once again. Real Madrid manager Zinedine Zidane tested positive for COVID this past week, and if you don't know, he infamously had that incident where he headbutted another player in what was, I think, his last game he ever played or something like that. I just remember watching that on TV when I was younger, and that was so funny watching it live. He straight up just headbutted another guy in the chest. And on to some sadder news, unfortunately. Former home run leader Hank Aaron passed away at 86 years old. When he retired, he was the all-time leader in home runs, and that was before that roided Barry Bonds showed up. Last thing about sports, Japan is rumored to be thinking about canceling the Tokyo Olympics, although they are denying these reports. They were supposed to be last year, but obviously that had to be pushed back, and they're supposed to have it about six months from now. So we'll see if it actually happens this year. Some sides are saying it'll be canceled altogether, but apparently the head of the committee, or whoever is running it, says that it's still going to happen. Man, if it does get cancelled, then that really does suck for all of those athletes who pretty much dedicate their whole lives to train for that moment. But it makes a ton of sense with COVID-19 still affecting so many people right now. So I don't know if you heard about this, Joe Biden is the new president of the USA. Okay, that part you already know. And he's reversed a bunch of what Trump has done in his presidency already. But here's the most important thing he did on his first day in the Oval Office. He removed Donald Trump's Diet Coke button. That was actually a bit on Family Guy, so it's actually hilarious that this was actually a real thing that was there. 
and this week I did end up watching that episode for research purposes, obviously, and it was in season 17, episode 11. So what happened in this episode was that Trump was fighting Peter, and then the fight eventually made its way into the Oval Office, and then that's when Trump ended up bashing Peter's head into his desk where there were two buttons, one that launched nukes into the air, and the other butter, sorry, <laughs> the other button made a butler show up, and he had like a Diet Coke on a silver platter, and Trump ended up hitting Peter's head on that button like eight times, so it was pretty funny how there were just eight butlers in the room there with Diet Cokes. Obviously, it's funnier if you just watch it yourself, but that was just amazing to me. Keep in mind that every president has different uses for this button, and usually most, I think, keep it in the dining room or whatever. But just the fact that Trump had it in the Oval Office itself, and for Diet Coke, damn, that says a lot right there. Apparently, he had 12 per day, according to another article I read too. Wow. So let's move on to how I've been doing in the gym since I actually haven't talked about that for a few weeks now. So on squat, I managed to hit 290 this week and I'm slowly getting up there. Bench is now up to 280 and I did that for a few reps just yesterday and it felt pretty good to get that in. This week though, I did end up taking two days off the gym actually and I just decided to work out lightly at home because I was starting to feel sore everywhere. I don't know if it's because the weights have just gone super heavy or maybe I've just been too consistent lately with my workouts. Progression has only been going up for a few months now so my body was just telling me to take it easy. I was starting to feel my lower back get really sore after squats and also my left forearm and elbow area was starting to hurt a bit and this is actually something I've experienced before so I'm just being extra cautious with it. I couldn't even do curls one day because it was so sore every time I flexed my left arm so I knew it was time to take it easy. And that meant just working out at home with my resistance bands and it felt better over the next few days. I have been pushing it lately but I don't want to get injured and have to scale back progress so I knew I had to take a few days off the gym. Because the gyms have been open where I am, I've obviously been taking full advantage and rarely missing days, but I knew that this week had to be one of those weeks where I had to go off program a bit and schedule an extra rest day just to give my body the rest that it needed. And that lower back soreness is why I haven't sumo deadlifted in two weeks now, but I have been hitting the trap bar deadlift lately. I feel like it's currently a bit easier on my back, but I will be getting back into my sumos pretty soon. I just gotta make sure that my body is ready. And onto some marijuana studies, which seem to make some waves this week, kind of confirming what we already know. So they just finished up a clinical trial about vaping CBD dominant cannabis strains and its effect on driving. In the next few years, CBD could be used to treat anxiety and depression and possibly to treat seizures and more, so it could find our way into more medicines in the next decade or so. So this study, which was published in JAMA, actually, in December of last year, was analyzing how CBD strains affect driving, and they came to the conclusion that it doesn't seem to impair driving significantly. And that is some good news, but that does seem to be expected of a CBD strain that doesn't have the THC part of the cannabis, which is the part that will create that high effect. 
So this was a double-blind study involving 26 individuals, so obviously this is still early research, and the researchers did say that the doses that they tested with may not represent common usage. And you also have to take in the fact that so many distributors out there of CBD currently aren't all that trustworthy. That being said, I still won't advise anyone to drive under the influence of marijuana or alcohol or whatever other medications if it says not to drive under its influence. It's just a pretty interesting study. And there was another study that showed for the first time that CBD could actually kill bacteria responsible for gonorrhea, meningitis, and Legionnaire's disease. I mean, obviously it's early, so because it's been so against the law to do studies on marijuana since it's been banned for the last 50 years, or sorry, 100 years or whatever. But we'll see if they could actually use cannabis in the future for some medicines. Who really knows? I mean, just a year ago, we didn't have a vaccine for COVID-19, and look what happened. I'm not saying this drug will be the savior, but we're constantly learning more and more about it, so if it could help somebody, then that's really all that matters at the end of the day. And since we're talking about new discoveries, scientists in southwest Argentina have found what are apparently 98 million year old fossils. Apparently these new fossilized bones could belong to a giant sauropod and could actually be 10 to 20% bigger than the biggest dinosaur we've ever found before. Damn, I can't wait for the next Jurassic Park to feature this one. So this was apparently discovered way back in 2012, but they only started actually doing the excavation in 2015. And they say they're going to be digging this up for the next few years. I had no idea it took so long to dig up these bones. I figured it was just maybe a few months, but I didn't realize that it actually takes years for this stuff to be removed. But I guess that makes sense since I'm sure it's extremely delicate. Alright, more science news. Gut microbiome stuff, and that's always exciting to me. And I'm going to have to read this one because there's some large words in there, so let me just pull it up real quick. Alright, here it is. So, a large study using metagenomics and blood chemical profiling has uncovered a panel of 15 gut microbiomes associated with lower risks of common conditions such as obesity and type 2 diabetes. So, in this study, it clearly showed that the bacteria in your gut could actually tell us a lot about the person's health. Basically, a good diet with a high plant intake has been shown to have more good micro gut microbiomes, or microbes, sorry, which lowers your risk for common and more serious chronic illnesses. On the flip side, those with an unhealthy diet have bad gut bacteria, or less of the good microbes. I'll pull this part from the article too, so they said that surprisingly, the microbiome has a greater association to these markers, like diabetes, heart disease, and obesity, than other factors such as genetics. And this research on the gut microbiome is so new that some of these bacteria don't even have names yet, so this is a field that'll blow up over the next decade or so. And I know I've been all over the place with these topics this week, but so much actually happened this week. And in case you didn't know, I've been recording this podcast on my MacBook Air for a few months now since I've been away from home. And honestly, this Air has been through it all with me. I bought it right when I started college, studying, health and fitness, and it's been my baby ever since. 
It's still doing pretty well after almost using it for 10 years now, but it might be time to upgrade pretty soon. And perfect timing. This week, there's a new rumor that apparently Apple is planning a new MacBook Air design that will bring back MagSafe charging. And I think that's amazing news because I can't even count the amount of times where I've tripped over the charging cord, which would have probably destroyed the laptop when it hit the floor, but since I still had the old MagSafe charger, when you trip over the charger, it comes out of the laptop, so it doesn't even move. Honestly, that's been super clutch. And for the last few years, Apple took out that tech in favor of other charging methods like USB-C or USB 3 and 4 or whatever they're calling that port now. I think it's called Thunderbolt or something. Apparently the next MacBook Pro could also have this new MagSafe charger along with an SD card slot. And they're thinking about removing the touch bar as well, so we'll see how these are whenever they get unveiled. Question 1. How much volume should you do in your workouts? So if you work out, no matter how you work out, volume is involved in some way. In case you didn't know, when we're talking about volume in relation to workouts, that means sets times reps times weight, with some other minimal things included like range of motion and tempo. A rep, short for repetition, is doing the actual movement, so sometimes people will count when they're doing something like push-ups. They'll go 1, 2, 3, 4, and those are reps. Now, for example, when you complete your maybe 10 push-ups, that's what a set is. And weight, well, that's self-explanatory. So now that you know all of that, again, at the most basic level, volume is sets times reps times weight. So let's just leave it at that for simplicity purposes. So the research has shown that it's a good idea to get between 10 to 30 sets per week per body part. So if you're starting out, then try getting in 10 sets per week and as you get more advanced, you can do more. That's a proper progression. You can make progress doing 10 sets per week. That's what's been shown to be the minimal effective dose of exercise. But personally, I think between 15 to 20 sets, or maybe even 25 sets, that's probably more of the sweet spot. It's somewhere in the middle for me, and I think that's been working. I've been doing that for a while, and my lifts have been going up, and it looks like I'm building lean body mass right now. So when we're talking about optimal workout volume, then this is going to be different for everyone. But the studies do show that doing 10 sets at least during the week per body part is going to be effective as long as you're pushing yourself, aka as long as that intensity is there. Now over time, doing more volume somehow, whether that be more sets, more weight, will be needed in order to continue progress. That means you'll be pushing yourself more every week and that intensity should be ramping up. Training may be easy at first, but eventually as you start to develop that muscular endurance and get used to your training, you're going to want to make your training harder somehow, and pushing more volume in any way is going to be great for to make you stronger and continue to grow more muscle and increase your lean body mass. This is ideal, but if you're new, just don't even worry about this at first. I think it's better to just get any amount of training you can at first and then work up to what I said the research say is a minimal effective dose. 
You might start off with doing 5 sets per week per body part and that may be enough for you. But eventually when you do get into the groove, you should quickly try to get into that 10 to 30 set range. Now this doesn't include warm up of course, this is just the working sets. And it's also not advisable for you to go to failure. You don't need to go too hard to make gains if you're new in the first place. That's why I've preached multiple times for new lifters to just focus on practicing form as opposed to just pushing yourself to do an optimal amount of training volume or pushing yourself week in and week out by increasing the weight or load on the bar. Like I said earlier, everyone will be different when it comes to ideal training volume and even each body part for you may be different as well. That's going to take weeks or maybe even months for you to figure out. And this is another reason why the programs you find online, taken as is, might not be effective for you. But if you change them a bit to tailor them to your training, it could be more beneficial to you. And when we're talking about reps, they say that 5 reps to anywhere to even 30 sets can have muscle building benefits, but somewhere between 6 to 15 reps could be that sweet spot range. I remember in school, or even some infographics you'll see out there, it'll say that 8 to 12 ranges are for hypertrophy, 3 to 8 or 3 to 5 rep ranges are for building strength, and 15 plus, doing more than 15 reps, are to build muscular endurance. And that does have some truth to it, but in reality, you'll be gaining muscle regardless of range. Like I said, if you're in that 5 to 20 or maybe even something like a 3 to 30 rep range, it just all depends on the amount of intensity those reps are. If you're pushing yourself to near failure, as in stopping 1 to 2 reps shy of failure, then chances are you're building muscle and stimulating that hypertrophy. If you're tracking the weights you do in your workouts and you're noticing increases there, then chances are you're building muscle. Everyone's going to be different in terms of how much volume you need to do for your workouts. As long as the workout volume you do is appropriate for yourself. And that means if you can push yourself in your workouts and be ready for your next workout later on in the week, while making progress, whether that be in strength or whatever metric, then that's enough volume for you. As you become more advanced, you'll have to slowly add more training volume in order for your body to continue to progress and grow you're gonna have to challenge yourself in order to make progress. Doing the same amount of volume every week for years, you'll eventually hit a wall, so that's why you have to make your workouts progressively harder over time, and do that slowly, of course. And you don't wanna go all out with your sets. This is common for newer individuals. You're new to working out, so you just wanna go as hard as you can with your workouts. I've been there don't do that. It's not going to benefit you in the workout and especially for the next workout or how you're feeling over the next few days. You're going to be pushing yourself harder than you need to and you won't be able to recover for the next workout. That's why leaving at least one or even better yet leave two reps in the tank and that means here's another term RIR which is reps in reserve. It would be a good idea to leave one or two reps in the tank or two reps in reserve or RIR to achieve that muscle growth and hypertrophy for you to benefit consistently in your workouts. That being said, if you're new, ease into this kind of volume and intensity 
because gains will come to you regardless because when you're new it's easier to make gains because you don't need that much stimulus in order to grow or lose more fat or build muscle. So that's why if you're new it's more advisable to stay in that lower end of volume. So maybe 8 to 12 sets per week per body part to start. Then over months as you practice those movements slowly add a few sets in per workout to get to that optimal range. But regardless, be patient and track your workouts so you'll know how to sustain progress for a longer period of time. If you have been working out for over a year or so, then maybe it could be time to check how your intensity is and make sure it's appropriate. Leave to RIR, reps in reserve, and track your workouts and build a program that should give you more sustained progress over time. Don't just focus on today's workout and going all out because it could affect other workouts later on in the week. And that's a form of overtraining, which I'll go over in a few weeks as well. And in that topic, I'll go over why it's best to avoid that overtraining when it comes to training, because that could also stall your progress and could be a cause of injury. Question 2. What should I start first? Diet or exercise? I don't really know if there's a right answer here, I think it all depends on the person. If you regularly eat bad and don't move at all, then you can really just do something to change both a tiny little bit and that'll work. Personally, I usually try to start substituting meals first while starting out with an easy workout plan. That's usually how I start things with a client just to get them off the chair or bed and to just start moving. Any kind of movement will work here, so it doesn't need to be perfectly structured. It would be a good idea to do movements that hits all body parts, but nothing too crazy, and then assess and reevaluate how the first few weeks are. Usually, clients will tell me when they want to add things, and that's when I'll do that. Of course, you may have heard that you can't out-train a bad diet, so that's something to remember as well. To be honest, it doesn't really matter which you start first, but I do think it would be easier to start exercise first. That's because diet is going to be a constant battle. When it comes to exercise, you can do it anytime, and with exercise, it's usually over within an hour or so. That means for the other 23 or the other 15 or so hours that you're awake, the diet will be something to be mindful of since you're going to be eating multiple times daily. That being said, diet is going to be the harder of the two. Exercise you can do at home, but can also be hard during these times because it's tough to get motivated since gyms are closed, and working out at home for most, they feel like it's not worth it. This is kind of what I'm going through with my clients right now. It's hard for them to find that motivation right now because the gyms are closed everywhere, and it doesn't seem worth it, but it is. But putting myself in their shoes, I understand that that mentality may not be the same right now. I've been there. When the gyms closed in March of last year, I figured the gyms would open in a month or so, so I just waited. A month later, still no sign of the gym opening, so I had to dust off my adjustable dumbbells I had at home, and I had to do something. No, it's obviously not the same as going to the gym having access to all kinds of cardio equipment and machines and barbells and dumbbells that go up to 120 pounds, but I just had to do something. 
and that meant working on technique and focusing on form. I switched my focus over to more mobility work as opposed to just loading weight onto bars because I didn't have that access. So I switched my focus to more mobility, one-legged exercises, controlling the movements more, and adjusting the tempo of my exercises. That also meant actually walking outside, and I understand that might not be possible right now depending on where you live, but walking outside meant enjoying the fresh air, getting that natural vitamin D in, and getting in some kind of movement as opposed to just being cooped up in the house all day. It just takes a little bit of effort in terms of this exercise department right now, and that's how it is when you're just starting out. Even with my own clients, I do find that sticking to the exercise part of things seems to be the easier of the two, just because, like I said earlier, diet is a constant battle all day. It's so hard these days to avoid all of the highly processed foods that are all around us, and the companies make it so easy to consume and just simply eat too much of it because they make it as addicting as they can. The more you eat, the more of their product you buy, which means more money for them. This week I got a free, what was it, toaster strudel? I got one of those free at this supermarket near me called Hannaford. So I got this free toaster strudel and honestly they're so good. I might have to buy more but I'm going to try not to because I think it was like 400 calories for two of them or something like that. And also with Uber Eats and all of the other food delivery services, you don't even have to move to get your takeout food anymore. So, diet is the harder part of the two, but with a change in your diet, you could initially change your body within a few days or weeks. Whereas exercise will help you more after that initial weight loss from just diet alone. If you do decide to start with exercise first, try to get into that habit of doing it regularly just a few times a week at first. Then, when that becomes easier, then it would be a good idea to try to incorporate either more movement throughout the week, or try to develop some better eating habits slowly over time. Like I said earlier, you can't out-train a bad diet. So eventually you will have to fix up that portion of your life. And when you decide to, that doesn't mean going all in and just eating salads or doing something so drastic like that. Of course, you're going to want to clean up your diet slowly. And what does that mean? That means grab your phone, get my fitness pal, and track what you're eating. And no, don't use the recommended macros or calories that my fitness pal will give you. At first, just track your food familiarize yourself with what's in the foods you eat on a regular basis and try to slowly reduce your intake from there if that's your goal. Slowly get rid of those high sugary foods or highly processed foods and that'll already be a great way to start your journey. Or fine, you don't want to do that, keep a mental note of how much carbs you're eating like pasta, rice, breads, and just slowly try to reduce that. Meanwhile, it would be a good idea to increase your protein intake and that means increasing your lean meat consumption. Or maybe if you have something or you eat something like 80-20 beef or 85 lean 15 fat beef, maybe try getting a leaner option like maybe a 90-10 or 93-7. I've been on that 93-7 beef tip lately because I recently found it at the grocery store where I am. So what I'm saying here is that there is no right answer on if you should start changing your diet 
or exercising first. But it would be easier to start exercise first because that means just moving around for maybe as little as a half hour per day. Something easy to start. A half hour per day, or maybe even every other day at first, isn't a lot of time at all. Even just a half hour daily is just 2% of your whole day. So it is easier to start exercise first because like I said, diet is something you have to deal with all day. However, you can't out-train a bad diet, so eventually you will have to make changes to that. And when you decide to, don't just dive all in going vegetarian or cutting out all snacks and sugars. Just make small changes and add more changes every week or even just every month. Remember that reaching your goals isn't just going to happen in 30 or 60 days like some challenges out there claim that you can get to your dream body in a few weeks. It's going to be a slow process, but as long as you're consistent and do the right thing and progress in the right direction, then you'll achieve whatever goals you're after. And that concludes episode 20 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about why getting stronger is the key to better health. And I'll talk about vitamin D and its link to the flu season.